So I'd been sharing with Nathan uh, a little bit about what God's been saying to me and doing with me over the last couple of years. He said, share that with John, and John said, no, bring it on a Sunday. Okay, then. Um, (laughs) You guys are great. (laughs) You know, I know you can look miserable sometimes, but right now you're all smiling, and we'll see what damage I can do. (laughs) But it's, you know, it's obviously, it's, I'm going to share something in my story for the last couple of years. I've not got any great revelation or great answers. God's still at work in me, isn't he, with all of us. But I hope and pray that, you know, as I share some of the things that God's been saying to me, that you would find God speaking to you and that you would feel provoked, challenged, and a sense of faith rising as well. There's one particular theme that God keeps reminding me of, which I find really quite exciting and and challenging, and that'll become clear, but I want to make sure you don't doze off. So um, let's start with a question. Who's that? Albert Einstein, okay. The greatest mathematical discovery of all time is what, according to Einstein? Louder, can't hear? A lot of muttering, but I can't hear. The greatest mathematical discovery of all time, according to Einstein, is compounding interest. Okay? All right. So, let's, let's take an example then. You guys are thinking, oh, not more maths, please, no. Uh, Sam, all right, let's say that, you know, you want to create your own little nest egg. In 25 years' time, you'd like to draw down £100,000. Does that sound good to you? Okay. So, come on, those of you with your phones out. How much does Sam need to put away every year for the next 25 years to net himself £100,000? Okay. pounds? <laughs> Okay, you can spot who's investing in uh, mutual pension funds at the moment. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. Before we get on to the interest rate, basically, if you divide it by 25 years and divide it by 12 months, you could tell Sam to put away £333 every month. Can you afford that, Sam? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, good. But look, if... Sam puts his money away in a place that earns interest, and then he earns interest on his interest, and then interest on his interest on his interest. That compound effect means that, actually, instead of having to put away over £330 every month, he can halve it. He can get more than a 50% discount on his money that he's putting away if he's getting compound interest. That's a really remarkable uh, law of economics. Let's take another example. Have you heard the story of the king and the wise man playing chess? And the king was rather cocky and uh, challenged the wise man, look, if you beat me at this last game, (coughs) you can name your prize, whatever you want. Name it now, in fact. And the wise man thought... And he said, okay, 
If I'm victorious, I ask just for this. For one grain of rice on the first square of the chessboard, and that you would double it on each subsequent square. So two grains on square two, four grains on square three, eight on square four, and so on. The king scoffed. Of course, he brushed it aside. They played the chess game, and of course, the king lost. How much rice was he, did he owe the wise man? A lot. Come on, I want something a bit more accurate than that. All right. Did the king have enough rice to pay the wise man? Not in all his kingdom, not in all the neighboring kingdoms, because the actual number is rather large. And I think the mathematicians would probably say it's two to the power of... Is it 64 or 63? Yeah, two to the power of 63. It's a big number. The power of multiplication. Uh, All right, let's move away from maths because I can see some of these folks. (laughs) Biggest cheer from Caroline there. All right, let's go to human biology then. Cell cell division. Cell division. Um, After fertilization, uh, I think it's 36 hours that the cell first divides and then each of those cells divide again. And each cell keeps dividing in two. Uh, every, I think, it's, oh, is it 24 hours? It's, 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 it's within, uh, within about 24 hours, cells keep dividing. The power of that is such that after just eight weeks, every human organ is detectable. Every single human organ is formed after just eight weeks. Such is the power of cell division. Now, This principle of multiplication is part of the natural world. It's part of God's economy. And it shouldn't surprise us because right there at the start of Genesis, even before he's created people, God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. Do you notice that? But when God created the first living things, he gave them the power to reproduce within them. But living things have within them the power to bear fruit. And of course we see it a little bit later on with the creation of of Adam and Eve. Okay, now, uh, who can tell me what this is? A mustard tree, thank you. Yes, it's a mustard tree. Okay, it's pretty, pretty big, especially when you see mustard seeds are really rather small. And uh, you'll be aware of the parable, perhaps, uh, in Matthew 13, that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Okay, a man plants it, it grows, it becomes very large. This, is real, this has been a real encouragement to me. I've obviously started looking into these things, because if you haven't guessed by now, this topic of fruitful multiplication is what God's been speaking to me about. And here, we can take encouragement, or I certainly do, that actually, from the smallest things, especially where the kingdom is concerned, 
great things can come. We can easily get hung up in this world with the silver bullet, the big solution, the big transformation. But you know, I think in the economy of God, there is great significance in small things. Two years ago, I did Doulos. It was extremely good for me just to step back from some responsibilities, to inquire of God and really wrestle with some things. And this term, the significance in small things, is one of the uh, principles that God stirred within me. And here we can see, actually, it may start small. A grain of rice, a single cell, a single mustard seed. But just look what power there is within the significance of a small thing. Okay, kiddies, there's a picture coming up. This section only. Name the parable. Come on. Faster, slower. Yeah, okay, Sam's got it. All right, parable of the talents. For those of you who are unfamiliar... A landowner goes away. He entrusts to three of his people talents, money. Uh, To one, uh, five talents, a large sum of money. To another, three talents. And to another, one talent. And when he returns, the first has multiplied his five talents and uh, says, see, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. Uh, similarly, with the one who'd been entrusted three, he gave back three more. But the one who'd been given one talent, I mean, he'd not squandered it. I mean, he'd looked after it. He'd put it safe in the hole and he said, look, here it is. But the master wasn't happy. And, uh, you know, there are multiple themes in this parable. And, and I probably ought to acknowledge that the, the primary theme is that sense of not being ready before God. Remember we um, heard a few weeks ago about the parable of the ten virgins, which is also in this, in this chapter of, of Matthew. Uh, that point of being ready. Uh, yeah, that's right. We were, John was um, sharing with us about not getting lost uh, in the dust. Uh, that sense of being ready. And this, this parable also appears in that context. A sense of being ready. But you can't ignore the fact that there also seems to be some other messages at work in this parable. Uh, What are we doing with what's been entrusted to us? And that's been a real provocation to me. So this is one of the things I've been given a lot of thought to. What what am I doing with what's been entrusted to me? Uh, I've had a a long interest in, in good stewardship And we often understand good stewardship as being a a faithful caretaker of the things entrusted to us. And that's quite right and proper. And sometimes it feels hard enough just trying to be a good caretaker of what's been entrusted to me. We also hear quite often that being a good steward is about being a, a generous giver. And that's quite right and proper too. We're created in God's image. He is the most generous one of all. He was first a giver. And so good stewardship is about being a generous giver as well. 
But I'm really provoked by what it means to be a fruitful multiplier. Because I'm looking at these principles of God and these recurring themes within the Bible. And I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking, it's not just about, you know, looking after things. It's not just about being generous. There's a a responsibility here to, to partner with God to see fruit, to see multiplication. What, what is my role in that? Now, you know how it is these days. It's very easy to compare ourselves with other people. I don't know whether it's... I suspect it's always been like that throughout history, but it just seems particularly challenging in this day and age in Western economies uh, with the kind of consumer-based, consumption-based uh, cultures we live in always comparing ourselves to one another. We don't want to, but we end up comparing ourselves. And you know what? It's been said, you know, comparisons cripple. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether you are a five-talent person, a three-talent person, or a one-talent person. What matters is a sense of thankfulness for what God has given you and a desire to be faithful with what he's given you. So we don't compare ourselves to one another. Except now, when I'd like us to compare ourselves to something. <laughs> here's, a, here's a website. Uh-oh. Can you advance it for me, Mike? Right, here's a website. How rich are you? Okay, so having said we won't compare ourselves, this website tells you how rich you are. And you put in uh, your annual income. Okay, I know it's a bit small, uh, so uh, let's put in an annual income, shall we? Let's take uh, what I'm told is the uh, average annual income in, in the UK at the moment. Uh, let's put in £26,000. Uh, you know, it's just for illustrative purposes. Don't get hung up on whether that you think that's a lot or a little. But £26,000. Uh, click the button, show me the money. Average earnings in the UK means that globally you are the 59th millionth richest person on the planet. Okay? 59th millionth richest person in the planet. But look here. You're in the top 0.99% richest people in the world. Okay? Or to put it another way, here, are the world, here is the world's population represented as 100 people. So you've got your percentiles here. And look, you're right there at the end. I don't know about you, but I get particularly... You know, these things communicate to me. You might just think they're a bit frivolous. But I'm thinking, fuck, this is what it's like to live at the top of the heap. You know, the richest 1% on the planet. And I'm thinking, how am I doing about that? How am I doing? You know, you know that I've got an interest in stewardship and giving, and I you know, know what it's like to live overseas, and I'm interested in international development. I think, crikey, you know, how am I doing? What, with what God has entrusted to me when I'm living at the top of the heap. Any of you ever read this book? Go on, let's see your hands. I'm really genuinely interested how many might have read it. Oh, not, not many. Okay. Oh, it must be about, oh, what, eight years ago now? It was, it was doing the rounds a little bit in the church. And I, I can still remember the, where I was in the, 
as David Jones and I were driving together and we were saying how much the book had impacted us. Well, what had we done about it as a result of its impact? Well, David had gone out and bought the game called Cashflow, <clears throat> which is a great game. I think uh, Nathan's the uh, current uh, convener of the game. And I'd gone out and done out. So 18 months ago, uh, on holiday, I said to Clara, I'm taking this as my holiday reading again. And so I went uh, and, and reread the book. And uh, it's, it's not a Christian book. Um, and, you know, it, it's basically about mindsets towards money and stewardship of money and income generation. And so this principle of multiplication was back with me again. And because uh, Claire doesn't have a pension scheme, we thought, you know, we really ought to think more carefully about provision for, for later life. What are we going to do about that? And so, um, you know, what we felt to do was to look at our income and the fact that we're one of the richest 1% in the world. I know it doesn't feel like it, you know, you, all you, seems like all the money you earn, you know, you, you give your tithe and you make your generous giving, but then everything else seems to go on, food and clothes and trainers and insurance and more trainers and, you know, bills and more children's shoes, and you think, crikey, you know, oh, kids of today. <laughs> hey, no, it's, it's good to know that they still play out on the street, you know. Uh, I came home and discovered that my son had been playing football out in the street. I was thrilled. Ball had gone right through the lounge window. Rushed to the insurance documents, because, you know, heck, we pay enough insurance year in, year out, decade in, decade out. Are we covered for accidental buildings insurance? No. Anyway. Anyway. I digress. So, Claire and I, uh, you know, I got excited. I've been excited about the, the business and income generation and this theme of, you know, I want to, you know, generate income as well as just spending it on trainers and stuff. So Claire and I looked at various business opportunities and um, we've gone for it. And so we've, we've started a, a business. Obviously, our lifestyle doesn't really permit us to give loads of hours every week to it. So we picked a business that we could actually do incrementally over the long term. And so... Uh, we are now property investors, and uh, we have a, we're on a plan to, to grow the number of properties we own. And that's, you know, one particular way in which we felt, you know, we need to be able to generate income as, as well. So we, we've done that, but uh, we've had fun along the way. Uh, you know, the kids have been very interested in, Dad, what business are we going to do? And we've, we've played around with some ideas, and even just something as simple as, the church holiday the last couple of years, just watching the children run a tuck shop, which, you know, planted the idea. We, um, we gave them 70 quid and the cash and carry card. Well, we, we went with them. It's, um, but, you know, in year one, I was quite hands-on and uh, bought, foolishly bought some England supporters kits for about, you know, which I thought would definitely sell to you guys. I thought you'd want to buy the England supporters kit on the church holiday, and you didn't. And I made a loss as a result. 
Um, the, following, the following year, the boys, Jacob and Jamie especially, um, did ever so well because they focused on the, the younger customer base, uh, uh, high volume, low value, penny sweets. Uh, they got in um, cheap labor uh, in the form of uh, Jacob's younger brother to, 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 pedal, to pedal the penny sweets around the campsite. You know, and at the end of the day, it was an absolute joy to see them in the tent, you know, counting all the pennies, delighted to pay back my 70 pounds, and they made themselves a nice little profit. And, you know, it, it was part of the joy of being a dad and, and so on. But, but within it, I thought there's something quite exciting about, about that, that principle. Um, but it's, of course, being a fruitful multiplier is not just about money and handling material goods. But, you know, we do remember the Bible's quite clear that he who is faithful with small things will be entrusted more. So, um, thanks. Uh, here's, you know, a key verse. And our understanding of the gospel, we know it's changed, it's evolving, but I'm sure we're all still utterly convinced of the part that we play with God in helping people on their journey of discipleship. What does fruitful multiplication look like in the context of discipleship. Kind of our number one priority, really, is to be disciples and help others to be disciples. Now, we mustn't beat ourselves up about that, because God quickly reminded, as soon as I started to think, oh, crikey, you know, how many disciples have I made? Uh, you know, it's not like that, is it? But, you know, the significance in small things. And I thought, you know, who has, who has most impacted my life and how? Well, through acts of service, people who've loved me. And I've often, I don't know about you, but I often pick up on just a phrase or a word or a term that somebody will say, and that stays with me. Further illustrating, I think, that um, you can forget all I've said this morning. But if there's one little phrase that sticks with you, and God uses that, then I'll be thrilled. But of course, you know, God's given us all kinds of things. So, what does it mean to be a fruitful multiplier in these environments? Uh, praying for our children is something that's We've been particularly joined together in as a church, particularly for the youth. And, you know, what a delight to see the young people encountering God recently as we've joined together in our desire to see fruit amongst our young people. Well, there's our workplaces, and uh, that's coming up quite soon in the next few weeks. Neil will uh, be helping us. Uh, on, on what it means to see God at work in our workplace. But, you know, those of you who are studying, what does it mean to be a fruitful multiplier where you're studying? What about time? Okay, being a good steward of our time. How do we multiply time? Oh, interesting discussions we could have. You know, how, how are we doing in terms of ministering in our street, homes, with friends, and so on?
Now, of course, I'm not actually saying anything new here. I know that. But some of you may not have heard a phrase much recently, but it's certainly part of who we are as a church. We, we've often said that we reproduce more than we consume. And, praise God, that's the kind of church I want to be in. A church that produces more than it consumes. Um, We use the phrase, we reproduce after ourselves. And these are terms which, you know, clearly reflect this biblical theme, this principle which um, I'm so challenged about. You know, your, what is your talent, your gift? Don't, I don't know about you, but I have struggled to sometimes really put my finger on, you know, the thing that really makes me sing, my talent, my gifting, and sometimes it needs other people to just prompt you and remind you. That's, that's really God's gifting in you there. Uh, it happened to me uh, a couple of weeks ago on the leaders' weekend. I might, might come back to that if we've got time. But, you know, coming back to this significance in small things and the multiplication effect, last July, Lorraine Herbert made me a cake. Now, I'm used to good cakes because my wife, Claire, is a fantastic cook and she makes brilliant cakes. I mean, actually, you know, if you wanted a competition, then you'd have to get Dawn and probably Elspeth, Tia, my Claire. Those are are four that I know already are excellent cakes. Pudding and dessert makers. But Lorraine Herbert's cake was something else. And what's more, she really ministered it to me. It came out as a surprise. And uh, as I talked about this to a few folks, it turned out that Lorraine seems to have a bit of a ministry in making and delivering cakes to people. And and it came out... Hmm? Yes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. You're going to have a cue now, Lorraine, sorry. And it turned out... I discovered that Lorraine, it's not uncommon for her to, you know, put herself out, traveling some distances on public transport and so on. A story when the person wasn't even in when she got there. And I thought, it wasn't you, was it, Mary? <laughs> you missed out on that cake, did you? <clears throat> Maria's thinking, I should have written a note. I should have left a note. Um, the point being that... You know, things which you might think are small can be significant, can be part of your ministry, can be the thing that God uses to bless others, to help people in their walk of discipleship, can multiply. So, that got me thinking, uh, I've been thinking about it anyway during the last couple of years as, as to, you know, am I doing the things I'm good at? You know, it's quite right that we look at, we appreciate the areas where we struggle. It's quite right. We're honest with ourselves about the things that we're not good at and we put in place, you know, compensation measures when we're not good at things. But, you know, God's created us to sing, you know, to really flow in what he's created us to do. And so I'm on a journey now at trying to rediscover and make good use of the things that I'm good at. And uh, something came up a couple of weeks ago when the leaders were away together. And again, somebody prompted me, and I thought, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm good at that. 
and I really ought to do more of it. And so you can help me because, as you heard last week when I stood here, one of the things I can do is I can sell ideas. I can communicate, I can package and communicate the essence of an idea. So if you're working on a particular project, a scheme, a thing, I can help promote and communicate that. And we know as a church we've struggled to communicate some of these things. So Lifeline Labs, is a, it's a label. Think of it like a record label. Lifeline Labs, the record label, promoting the talent. And the talent are you people. And, uh, the, you know, the projects and people you're working with, the initiatives and the endeavors. And I can help you, uh, you know, write stuff for a newsletter, promote things, crystallize your message and, and such like. And uh, hopefully you'll all benefit from that. So, you know, help, help me to, to flow in what I'm good at, um, that the whole body would be enhanced by better knowing these new things that are, that are happening. And, uh, you know, we, we're getting more information like at the prayer meeting on Tuesday. Because, of course, the, the sap is rising, the prophetic word that God has spoken to us now Right now, we're in a season of moving, moving into a broad place, a place of permission, a place uh, of expansion, where we can do endeavors, we must feel uh, permitted to try things, to have a go at things, and why not, what better thing to do than to have a go at the things that you're good at, uh, and, to, and to bless the body and help others on their journey of, of discipleship. So God's spoken to us, and you've got a little insight there into this theme of fruitful multiplication. I'm excited by it. You know, what does it mean to be a fruitful multiplier in different settings? I've, I'm working it out. It fits with what God's saying to us now. It fits with... This, you know, the sap is rising, uh, you know, alludes to fruit is coming. Things are going to start to bud, uh, a blossoming, fruitful season is coming. And, and it will do if we do the things we're good at. And if we hear God and, and obey him. Uh, there's just a, have we got time? There's, there's a little side story, if you like. That, that's the main thing now, okay, so done. Main thing, done, Okay. And, and I really hope that you've been able to pick up something of what God's been saying to me. Help me with it as we go forward. I hope that you too have, have heard something from, from God. Um, you know, and that there's faith there. To, uh, I hope you're encouraged, you know, that God has given you something. And you might think it's small, but that's great because God takes small things. And you might, you might not think it's significant, but I bet other people think it's significant. And just look at the multiplication that God brings. God does it. He adds the increase. We say that, don't we? You know, the, man, the, the, the mustard seed parable, the man planted the seed. If you'll plant that seed, if you'll give it a good hole, God will help multiply it. So don't feel like you've just got to work harder to multiply these things. You've got to work harder to get disciples. That's, that's not the way it works. But anyway, here's the interesting uh, sub-story, if you like. Um, uh, a number of years ago, some people gathering together in a Bible study, I, I wasn't there or a part of it, felt God call them 
when they were studying the parable of the talents to start a charity that would help small businesses, that would help micro-enterprises. And so they called the, talent, they called the charity Five Talents. It became an international uh, development agency um, providing saving schemes and small loan capital to help micro-entrepreneurs rise out of poverty. It was geared at those who were uh, poor, basically, around the world. And I'd always admired this charity called Five Talents. So you can imagine then, given what I've told you this morning, all that's been going on with me, you can imagine my delight when actually last year they appointed me as the development director. So now my day job, and I I don't think of it as my day job, but my day job is to support fruitful multiplication, uh, particularly uh, helping the poorest to make a better living for themselves. Um, Because, you know, in most countries of the world, people have a small business, whether it's hawking uh, fruit and veg, a little roadside stall, carting fish and food around the village, or in this instance, shining shoes... The guy, uh, I heard the story of a man approached a guy cleaning shoes outside a railway station and said, what will you do with the money you earn from shining shoes today? And he said, 50% I'll give to my boss. And the other 50% I'll buy rice to feed the family today. And the guy said, you're a shoe shiner, giving 50% of your money to the, your boss? Who's your boss? Well, he's the man that owns the polish and the sh- and the brushes, and the box. So you can see that a small micro-loan to a shoe shiner of, say, $20 would enable him to buy his own shoe box and polish so he doesn't have to give 50% of it away. The power of microfinance, you've probably seen my blogs and tweets, Facebook postings, and it's just a nice little side story that um, God has put me in the midst of this issue of fruitful multiplication and what does it look like on a personal basis and on a, on a global basis. So, I hope God's spoken to you. I feel that for some of you, you're recognizing that these small things are significant. God said to you today, yes, there is significance in my gifting my talent. I mustn't hide it. So, hmm. I think let's, yes, Lynn wants to share something as well. So, um, let's ask Lynn to share something first. I've been in the habit recently of uh, seeking God for words of encouragement for the boys out in Sierra Leone and texting to them so they could use them in their morning devotions, which they have every day. And for last Sunday, I was quite interested. When John was sharing, he picked up the words in Isaiah, which Jesus himself picked up in in Luke about his own ministry. Uh, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, etc., etc., uh, and this is that was in my text message to the guys last Sunday morning as well. And I had no idea what John was going to be speaking about. 
But the thing that God was uh, took me to also was in two kings, where Elisha desired and received a double portion of Elijah's anointing, so that he could continue where Elijah was leading off. And then, if you think about what Jesus said, he was declaring his ministry. Now, Jesus isn't here anymore, but when he left, he sent the Holy Spirit. And isn't that a bit like that double anointing? And isn't that for us to continue the ministry of Jesus? But we don't have to do it on our own strength and our own power. Just like Elisha could could continue in that double anointing strength that was passed on to him from Elijah. So we have that extra power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to achieve what God has set for us to do. That's great. Yeah, that's really helpful because... um... This, this is how we'll conclude. Using that as a reflection, <clears throat> I'd like to pray for us all. And I'd like to pray that as we offer to him our particular talent and gift, no matter how big or small it seems, that God would anoint for the double portion. Actually, for threefold, for fivefold, for tenfold. Because that was the essence of what Lynn was bringing there. Are you hungry? Would you like God to multiply your talent? Would you like to see some of that? Would you like to sing doing the things you're really good at? Would you like to see a whole ministry blossom and people flourish because you do what you're good at because you take that seed that God has given you and you allow him to multiply it? Yeah. Let's all stand. I'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, you have given us so much a generous, abundant God who's lavished so much upon us. You've brought us into your banqueting house. And Father, today we stand before you and say we are grateful, we are thankful, and we want to be faithful with what you've entrusted to us. We name before you now those talents that you've given us and we say Lord multiply them at least a double portion that your principle of fruitful multiplication would be seen in my life that I would encourage others in their ministry and their life we thank you Father that significance does start with small things and we say Lord we, with your help, we will be faithful with the small things you've given us. That you would multiply it. That your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Anoint us this day, from this point forward, in the name of Jesus. Amen.